0: Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the January 15, 2023 session, focusing on Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 7. Who's the servant? I'm David Cassidy.
1: I'm Nikki Hardiman.
0: I'm Bert Montgomery. And I'm Daniel Glaze. It's a crazy world we're living in these days. I'm old enough to have (laughs) experienced multiple decades of this crazy world, but it just feels really crazy lately. So when I was thinking about this new year, I thought, you know, just for my own self-reflection, where am I glimpsing light these days? Where am I glimpsing light? So I'll go first, in fact. So I'm a science nerd as well as a nerd about several other things. And so, whenever the news broke recently about the breakthrough in nuclear science that is uh-huh. going to allow That's us to so produce cool. clean, you know, incredible amounts of clean renewable energy, uh, fusion technology, that you know, and that to me is huge. I think in, in terms of history, we people are going to look back at some point, and that's like a Gutenberg moment where things really changed for the human race, if we can make it there. <laughs> um, because that, you know, you think of all the things that we are dealing with, the, the health of the planet and the way we produce and use energy, those are all so important and intertwined. So I, for me, that is both literal light and metaphorical <laughs> light, in the sense that it is a super hopeful thing that we yeah. have had this breakthrough. That was so really exciting. Hope, yeah,
2: it is.
1: Yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. and, and use the right word, David. I
2: think it's it's hopeful that we are years away from yeah. uh, finalizing this and and really ironing it out. Yeah. But if it gives us hope, we can continue to do what we need to do now, and hopefully it will get more yeah. excitement in it and, and, and speed that up. But Absolutely. yeah. So for me, I've got, <laughs> I've got what may sound like a non-answer, you know, that uh, prayer by Thomas Merton, the desire to please God is what pleases God. I, so I, I mean, not to over-spiritualize it, but the, this, the search for light can be enlightening. I mean, and so, you know, that can be a, a joy filled thing. So i have in in trying to be uh, a person with more awareness you know i've i've tried to engage for some time in the discipline of seeking out that which contributes love and light in our world and seeking seeking to shine my own spotlight on that and be grateful for it so yeah. i don't know the if that makes sense the search for that or seeking it mm-hmm is, is part of it too.
3: Yeah. I've, i found glimpses of light in, um, in the congregation that I pastor. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, I've been here 14 years. If I can, can I name them? University Baptist Church, Starkville, Mississippi. I've been the pastor for all these years and I've done a lot. I've, I've, Done the worship, and I've preached, and I've gotten people to read, and, and you know, and visited people in hospital. I've done all the pastoral work, and now that I'm dealing with long COVID and had to take medical leave from the university, and eventually had to take leave from the pastorate, the church is now pastoring me, mm. and I'm getting a whole different perspective of the the genuine fellowship of what a real church is mm-hmm. and the love that is being poured out on me is is just glimpses of a light you know even when i feel like i'm going to do something don't <laughs> they <Yeah>. tell me <laughs> don't oh, and got this <laughs> yeah and i'm like okay all right mm-hmm. and that that's very very help, hopeful and helpful and healing
1: hmm. what a gift bert in a similar vein over the last Probably month, month and a half. Um, I have been experiencing what my doctor called a depressive episode. Um, depression's in my family. Um, I have dealt with it before, um, but this was a little unusual to me. It was. Um, it really kind of, honestly, just put me out. Um, I started having to step away from work, and eventually got a little behind on Faith Element. And it took a while to figure out what was going on. And I share this because I don't think I'm alone. I think there are a lot of people out there who are struggling with different challenges related to mental health. Um, Statistics tell us that and people that I know tell me that. Um, But where I am finding light is the ways that the people who love me have stepped in Many of you noticed Daniel Glaze showed up on Faith Element um, for a couple weeks in a row, and he stepped in when I just couldn't do it. Um, I couldn't put it together. My brain was not working the way that I like it to and want it to, and he stepped in and filled in for me. And um, David Cassidy um, graciously helped make that happen, and Bert has offered so much kindness um and sharing about his own experience also with long covid also my brother and sister stepped in and they were like to me they have gotten somebody to clean my house before christmas day and what a gift that is because when you are going through depression cleaning your house is very low on the list mm-hmm. um it just it just is i have been a person gifted with a flexible workplace that has allowed me to care for myself in the midst of this. Um, So I'm finding light in all of the grace that people have given me when I can't show up the way that I am used to showing up. And that grace is a gift beyond measure and has brought me some joy and hope and has been a part of my healing. And so when we talk about mental health, I always want to say, if you are struggling, it's okay to reach out. If you are really struggling, um, there is a new hotline, 988. You can call that and get crisis help for mental health challenges. I think that I said to the guys before the podcast that I think that, you know, going to therapy is something that is much more accepted than it used to be in our society. But being honest and open about our own mental health challenges isn't. So I think I hope that in sharing about what I've been through over the last couple of months, you might find a little hope and light and reach out to somebody who can help you and offer a little grace to you as you are struggling with these things.
3: Thank you, Nikki. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, thank y'all for for sharing. Part of what we do with Faith Element Podcast in particular is try to model for groups ways you can be together. Uh, And I hope that where it's appropriate and helpful for you, that you will lean on one another and help one another in your groups. Be light to one another. We uh, have a passage out of Isaiah today that I think uh, is also a wonderful word for us in this season. Daniel, would you help us get started with it?
2: I'll be glad to. So today is the second week of a three-week series in Isaiah. As Bert mentioned last week, scholars divide Isaiah into two books. I know it's just one book in our Bibles, but there are two distinct books or sections that we can recognize. 1st Isaiah being chapters 1 through 39. The second book, Deutero-Isaiah, or 2nd Isaiah, contains chapters 40 through the end. This second book, from which our text today is taken, is written later than 1st Isaiah. And the audience for the book is the people of Israel who are living in Babylonian exile. And remember, these are folks who desperately long for a good word. Now, I realize that's a very brief overview and a vast oversimplification, but I want you to keep that, that in mind as we approach this passage from Isaiah 49. Today's passage is another of Isaiah's servant songs, the other one we talked about last week. In that servant song from Isaiah 42, the first voice we hear is God's. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one. Well, in the second servant song, when we're looking at today, the first voice we hear is that of the servant, her or himself, singing to the coastlands, the people far away, that is, to all those living far off. In other words, while so much of Scripture is contextual or cultural, that is, a certain word for a certain people in a certain time, today's passage seems to be a word for all people Of all times." Well, who is this servant? There's considerable debate about just that question. She begins by quoting God, saying, "...you are my servant Israel, in whom I will be glorified." But many scholars believe the word Israel there to be a later addition. This has led some to believe the identity of the servant is an individual, perhaps an historic one, while others believe the servant to be the larger community of God's people. I think it's both. Regardless, even if the identity of the servant is not crystal clear, the mission given to her, him, or them is clear. We read of a mission that flows directly from the heart of God. And as I read it, it strikes me as a very American tale. We in this part of the world seem to love stories about the American dream, where social mobility is alive and well, where if you just work hard enough, you can succeed at anything. Of course, we can poke holes in that idea all day long, but there is something innate within us, something that that knows and believes that humans are destined to do great things and be great people. This is the calling bestowed upon the servant, the one whom God calls. And it appears that salvation of the world is, at least partly, a component of the mission of the servant. Therefore, if we really believe the servant here to be a communal identity, including you and me, then God participates with us, relies on us to bring salvation to the world. And that's a scary but important thought to consider, and perhaps it's one we can relate to. The people are in peril. Their homeland is a disaster. It's not the wilderness where manna falls or where you can receive life-saving water from the rocks. Nor is it the promised land, flowing with milk and honey. No, this is a land that is in tatters, ruined by war. As Richard Ward puts it, they are looking for assurance that God has not abandoned them like a delinquent parent. I do not wish to push the metaphor too far or be overly dramatic, but I think this is a a situation that we can relate to. The last almost three years with COVID has been a disaster for many of us. Children lost months and months in school. Loved ones got sick, some died. Many lost jobs, incomes, livelihoods. Churches closed. Some permanently. I've not met many people who feel fully restored. We all feel, I believe, somewhat knocked back, and I don't know if we'll ever fully recover. And that's not being pessimistic. I think that's just the truth. And just as the communal servant from our text has a hand in the salvation of the world, so do we. The actions we take can bring healing or they can bring suffering. In our globalized world, the actions I take have a direct impact upon other people. We have seen that up close and personal the last few years. No longer can we say, I'm just doing what's right for me and my family. We are an interconnected web of humanity, and it's time we believe it. That is why, in this call to be a light to the nations, verse 6, we have the call to bring salvation to the nations. And let's be clear what we mean by that, too. That's not some evangelistic call to share Jesus with the lost. According to Isaiah, salvation really is, and I'm quoting Paul Hansen, an order of compassionate justice that God has created and upon which the wholeness of the universe depends. So this epiphany, as we bask in the starry light, with the glory of the Lord shining all around us, May we remember that high and holy calling God has given to us to share in the salvation of the world, to be a light to all nations, to participate in the healing of the earth. And that's some background on our text for today.
3: Thank you, Daniel. You mentioned you know, this coming out you in this third year of the pandemic um, or about to start in we're not fully restored, and then you said something like, and I don't think we ever will be. At first, I think that's appropriate for this text because the people do go back to Jerusalem, and they do Mm -hmm. rebuild the temple, but it's new. It's not the same as Mm -hmm. it was, and Mm -hmm. they're going to develop, and it's a new generation of people. And I think the same thing is, you know, that same type of setting that we are experiencing, whatever's coming, uh, on this the post-pandemic end of things, although we're I, some would say we're not in the post-pandemic yet, but, um, but whatever's coming is not going to be a return to exactly the way things were. Uh, it's going to be different. Uh, we will not be fully restored to what was, mm-hmm. right? That's it. But we will be fully restored in a new way. And maybe that means a deeper... Appreciation and awareness of our interconnectedness that you mentioned. Mm. So thank you for your introduction.
2: Thank you. I, that's <laughs> that's a little more optimistic than I was, and I but I think it's it's good. Yeah, that you know when you're talking we 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 like to think you know everything's going to be restored. It's sort of like Job who has his fortunes restored. Well, not really. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's not the family he had. But, but, in some circumstances, you know maybe the maybe the restoration is more compassion, more flexibility, more understanding, more grace. And, as I tried to say, more realization that the actions I take have an impact on my neighbor and in very real and concrete ways, not just you know in in philosophical ways. And so I hope that's part of our Restoration. And really the,
0: the the questions that these people are asking as this is being written, right? Are in many ways the same questions that we're asking. You mm. know, how, how do we start again? How do we rebuild? How what's next? What's it going to look like? Where's God at work? What are we being called to do? And you know, here we are early in the new year and I think churches in particular (laughs) are realizing the dramatic effects that the pandemic years have had on congregational life. It's not the same in so many places and ways. And we know it's probably not going to go back and be the same. And so the question Bert was raising, you know, what's next? Where are we going? Maybe this text is a wonderful help in, in answering that, which is, asking the question, how can my congregation in this place, in this time, play a role of healing and salvation in this place and time? And I think we've already given at least one instance of where we see brokenness, where healing and health is something the church could help bring, and that's mental health, right? Um, I mean, there's an entire field called pastoral care. <laughs> uh, we train chaplains, don't we, Nikki? We do. And, and, yes, we do. And and there, so there are skill sets that the church already has access to and could further develop. And I think there's a lot of trauma, whether you're talking about in our children or school kids, mm-hmm. college students, all the way through parents and senior adults You're There is trauma and there are mental health issues that the church is well positioned to help with. Maybe that's one place that we could be bringing salvation in the sense that this text is calling us to.
3: I want to to jump in there and clarify what you're saying, because in all of our churches, there are going to be people who have come from other churches. When they hear mental health, when they hear pastoral counseling, they're going to hear, oh, my gosh, they're going to tell me I just need to pray this away. Or if I pray hard yeah. enough, or if I believe hard enough, Nikki, you obviously have got a problem with faith because you've got depression. You're right. not praying hard enough, right? <laughs> sure. You know that's the cure. And and a lot of folks come to to churches like we have with having been scarred by that because they have prayed and they have believed just right. as the Israelites prayed and believed and yeah. they still got sent into exile. So, right. you know, so we've, let's just acknowledge that and be careful how we word this when we're talking about this in Sunday school or from the pulpit and acknowledge that it's not, it's not simply a, a if you pray hard enough, this will be done. That mental health pastoral counseling has trained professional counselors Right, Mm -hmm. that help us work through and acknowledge real problems and real pain. And that is God working through us to help heal and give comfort to people with with all of us who are struggling with mental illness, mental strains, and all kinds of things right now. Mm -hmm. Thank thank you for that clarification. And if you find yourself, dear listener,
0: uh, seeking help and finding yourself with a professional who is trying to cause you to feel guilt or shame around your uh, your trauma or your suffering, then you probably need to find somebody else because that is not healthy. Uh, and thank you, Bert, for clarifying that.
1: Yeah, no, I'm glad you all brought this up. So, and there are all levels of mental health challenges. There are um, different needs and different um, ways to approach that. But one thing I think the church can do is just make it okay to be honest. Mm. Um, yeah, it's one of the reasons I try to share about my own challenges. I'm very aware. Um, I know where mine comes from. I get therapy. I have a wonderful psychiatrist who helps me, and they they help me be whole and healthy. And I'm so very grateful to have that access. In the last several years, I was listening to a story on NPR I'm such an NPR junkie and one of our local children's our local children's hospital here in Atlanta Children's Healthcare of Atlanta has been give, gifted a wonderful grant or donation to build an entire wing devoted to mental health of children because the number of visits to the ER at the Children's Hospital in the last two years has increased dramatically. I can't remember the number, but I remember when I was listening to the story that my jaw dropped. Like, and I kind of knew that that had become a bigger thing during the pandemic, um, but the number surprised me. And I just remember thinking, how do we even begin to treat and care for this And so I think that one thing the church can do is make it okay to be at church, even with mental health challenges, whatever it is, and make it okay to talk about it and make it where people don't have to feel shame if that's something they struggle with, but that they can come to their church community for support. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because simply knowing that there is support is a huge first step in treating mental health challenges.
3: And part of that support is is not only that, that church is a safe place to come to say that, but it's also okay without shame and guilt to say, I just can't come today.
1: Right. Absolutely. Say, that's
3: Great, okay. That's okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
1: So. You know, on a practical level, we organize Meal trains for people who have babies or people who have surgery, maybe you can make a meal train for somebody who's struggling with mental health. I know for me, creating nutritionally dense meals is really hard to do when depression flares up and nutritionally dense meals are incredibly helpful (laughs) when you are struggling with depression the nutrition is super helpful in that process of getting well and whole but being able to make those can be really difficult it requires thinking it requires planning it requires a trip to the grocery store it requires cooking it and storing it um, if you when you don't finish it all and so all of those steps become astronomically more challenging for people with mental health challenges. And um, that is something very practical that a Sunday school class can do or a group from the church can provide to people in their churches who are struggling.
2: For me, going back to the text, yeah, I think if we see this servant ro- in a communal role, right, um, and that's at least how you know, our modern translations have verse three, it's, you are my servant, Israel. And so right, there, there's a right. communal servant. We who find ourselves, uh, or who are, who are seeking to live out faith within congregations or other faith families, whatever expression that takes, I think one thing that's clear is that we, we have the ability to embody serving one another and to use the salvations, trying to save one another, right? And I think that can take so many different forms. Number one, I think we can u- use the depression word. We don't need to be yes. afraid to say that word, yes. like it's. Thank you. You know, we don't have to whisper it, like it's you know obscene. We can, as as David you and Bert mentioned, uh, rather than telling people they lack faith, encourage them in the faith that. That God has put people in our path to help us, including doctors, right, And maybe some faith in in the medicine that we need to take, yeah, uh, or or whatever the case may be, or the process of of therapy or some combination of all that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We can be there for one another in those highs and lows. The other thing I think this is so important, we can also model this if if we seek to be i mean we're communities that that value confession that talk about uh, being honest with one another and with god and somebody wrote the truth shall make you free i think i read that somewhere anyway <laughs> <laughs> if somebody we believe, did. if we believe that why, why can we why can we not be communities of honesty mm. i mean and i mean of of all people we know this world and ourselves, we are not perfect. And I think the truest expressions of faith community help to bear us up in, in that. And I'm, I love the example. I think it's Anne Lamont talks about her, her small church in California. She says their, their job for me is when I'm at my end, the end of my rope, they're there to tie a knot. Mm -hmm. so that I can hang on. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And I've loved, I love that picture of church because that's that's where it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think the church has so much power to offer good and health and healing, particularly in this area. And you're right, I... Being able to just say the word depression, anxiety, whatever else comes up. Um, These are realities of being human beings. Um, They are not a condemnation on our morality or our behavior in any way. They are a part of being human and being able to say it out loud with people that you are in community with is a gift that you don't know until you receive it.
2: Amen.
0: Yeah. So if you're interested in going down this journey of how to be a better, a better helper, um, one who lives out the sentiment of this passage, uh, and is seeking to help heal brokenness in this world, I, I would recommend to you a book called The Wounded Healer. Mm-hmm. It's a Minis- good one. Ministry and Contemporary Society. It's by Henry Nowen, Uh The Wounded Healer. You find it anywhere you get books.
2: David, you might want to spell that, Henry uh, Nouwen. Yes. Henry. People are searching for it. Thank you. Because it's Henry, an odd spelling. It is. Henry is H-E-N-R-I,
0: and Nouwen is N-O-U-W-E-N. We'll link it up in the show notes as well so you can find it. And I'll read a quote from it because I think it summarizes really what the book is trying to help us with. He says, The great illusion of leadership is to think that a person can be led out of the desert by someone who has never been there. Mm. And the truth is, we've all been to the desert. We may not have thought about it or processed it or faced it. And in this book, he helps us to recognize the places we have suffered we all have. It's part, as Nikki says, of the human condition. Jesus suffered.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and so to re- once we are able to better recognize that within ourselves and deal with it, it makes us a much better listener and not tire, <laughs> as, as uh, Daniel quoted for us, uh, for others. So there, there are some great resources. I, w- I would encourage you to give this one a look and and give it a try. But whatever you do. I think this passage is a wonderful call for us uh, as individuals and in his congregations to to look for the places where we can bring salvation in this larger understanding of salvation and wholeness that God wants us to find. We can do it. Thank you all for your transparency and your honesty and for this good conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Subscribe to the Faith Element podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.